grateful for your word. We're grateful for our pursuit of it. Grateful for each other, the body we're drawn to. We'd ask that you would build us up in your son. And in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, like Anne had prophesied. One of my favorite passages, really it's in three that's my favorite passage, one of my favorite verses from my Navy days back in the 70s. And it says at uh, 3.16, I think it is, and we with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to the next. So consequently, this passage has been covered a few times in this church's history. Last time here, three years ago, but every few years we're in it. So I, I understand you might go, hold it, he's done this before. There's a different aspect of this passage, and I want, I don't even get to my favorite verse in this passage. We're starting in Corinthians 2, verse 12, which has come up a number of times in last couple of months in conversations with people. But before I get to that, I want to share a little story. I was pulling my pants on this morning. The TV was on because we're America. And I was standing there watching the TV really close because the distance between the settee where I would sit down and pull my pants on, I was pulling them on up, standing up. There's about four feet between that and the TV. So I'm like right up against the TV. And a commercial comes on. And the spokesperson for this commercial is one of the Jonas Brothers. May their names be blotted out. And he said something at the end of the commercial, nothing bad, nothing wrong, something exuberant with a shake of his hand like that, declaring excitement about whatever it is that was in the commercial. I don't remember what it was in the commercial. The man cannot act, okay? It was so awful, I was almost stunned. Here it was right in my face like someone trying to deliver a line one line, four words, he couldn't sell it. It never reached his eyes. You know, you never got, he is excited about this product. No, he's not. Bad acting is what we're preaching about this morning. Because when you don't have what we're looking at seriously or gaining in this passage, the sincerity of the faith, the rest of it's acting, okay? And you've been in churches where the acting's pretty bad. And this is why I think that people like to have special schools where you've got to learn to act like a holy man of the cloth or whatever, sufficiently set up in its own world where certain, you know what the, you, I've spoken about unction before, where a certain way of speaking supposed to sound holier. Oh, I know what the show was. It was one of those crime, live, real crime things. And the guy who's doing the interviews, one of those people you want to punch in the face, the voice was so schmarmy, and it was so accusatory about everyone he said anything about. 
That's what Christian unction is like for making you feel spiritual when you go to a service. The pastor says things with glory. The problem is we live in a world where our Christian religion is poorly acted, acted, that's crime enough, filled with bad audiences who buy it. We were uh, in Walla Walla. You're saying to yourself, I came here for the scriptures. I'm getting story after story. I'm not getting where is the meat to this. We'll get there. We'll get there. Leslie and I went to see a movie in Walla Walla. It was cheap. Five five bucks. Empty theater, of course. But there was one other group of people to our left, a few seats, who took everything in the movie very seriously. Every comedic moment, the laughter from those three or four people was so loud. They said, they must be mentally disturbed. So we've got a couple things going on in the church today. Bad acting, acting to begin with, bad acting, and then audiences who buy it. Who buy the comedy, buy the sincerity, buy the, 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 the spirituality set up to give people a sensation. There's some new show online, it must be online, maybe it's on TVs. I don't even know what the name of it is, but it, the commercials are, you know, Horrifying, some guy being medieval, doing a bad English accent. People love that stuff. Some people really, really think it sounds, you know, like Shakespeare. There's a need that our religion, everyone knows, that's why we act, everyone knows there's an actual thing that you're, looking to find, and so we need to pretend to have it. But I think the Lord God needs more integrity than that. And this passage, verse 12 through chapter 3, 11, and probably further, you could take, read on. You know, 2 Corinthians is sort of like, okay, we've had a rough go, Corinth. We've worked it out. Let's smooth some things over. Let's pick up all the china off the floor. We're going to, things are going better. This is what I was thinking for, for you and things I want you to know. How much he cared, how great the forgiveness was. uh, And he gets to this point in chapter two. He's relating to them his travel, where he says something kind of unusual for the evangelical. Verse 12 of chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians. When I came to Troas, and this is one of the reasons I, I, one of these days, I'm going to get a little projector that it will project a map of Central Asia, Middle East, on that back wall. We could take the cross down. And I could point to Troas I wouldn't have to describe where Troas is, okay? Top of the Aegean, think of the, here's the, think of the Aegean as this opening, okay? Greece is over here, Macedonia up here. You come over to the Dardanelles, Bosphorus, 
cross over into Asia, and Troas is right there at the point of Asia Minor, where Troy was. That's why it's called Troas. You know, remember where Troy was? He had come to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, second point, and a door was opened for me in the Lord. How many of you want that kind of guidance, clarity about what you're called to do, right? I'm in a town, open door for me, not for just anybody, but for St. Paul, in the Lord. In the Lord, open door for me. But my mind could not rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went to Macedonia. He went from over there to over there. Though there was an open door in the Lord for him there. We struggle with that, or you might. We're always, with those of us who are sincere Christians, are always like, how do you determine the will of God? You look for open doors, you lay it before the Lord, God opens a door for you, and you better go through it, otherwise it's disobedience. Here is Paul listing his guidance, and then going, and I ignored it, off to Macedonia because of a personal feeling about Titus, because Titus was down in Corinth, which is down here, okay? Corinth was, Titus coming back from Corinth, a report from this church he's writing to about the condition of things. Now, once we, the, 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 the danger I would like to suggest, it's not being made in the text, but we might make it, is because we are always looking for a constitution laws, confessions, creeds, delineations of things, phrases start to come out to us like an open door for us in the gospel. And we codify an obligation. We make something more uh, set up and you shouldn't disobey this. Paul is talking about something that we don't, he hasn't seen anybody codify it yet, so he doesn't know evangelicals centuries later are going to take an open door for the gospel to be, you don't disobey that. Because his God, what does it say? But thanks be to God, verse 14, who in Christ always leads us in triumph. You ever hear someone teach about the will of God? That, now, I'm not a personal will of God sort of person. God can lead you personally, but it's not just the general rule. But if you are, this should be some aspect of it. You've discovered an opportunity in the faith to be doing something for the kingdom of heaven, but your personal interests get you to move to St. Louis for some unknown reason. But your God always leads you in triumph because he's building his kingdom with you might say, affecting your will, making you, through us, spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, there's a few things that just start to jump out at you 
for those of you who like codified faith. The script laid out. Now, obviously, Paul's writing this, and so it has a certain degree of codification. Being led in triumph away from what seems like it would be a clear obligation to preach the gospel in Troas because of the fragrance of the believers. Your stink. What do you smell like? For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We walk through this earth less by the will of God and more by the fragrance that we are in Christ. I say will of God. I don't want you to think, what do you mean, disobeying the will of God? That would be, no, personal guidance, open doors. Less by that, less by being called to the mission field, less by called to the ministry, less this, that, or the other thing, and more by what you smell like. Now, since Paul's writing this down, it codifies this phenomena of the sense of your Christian life. Sense and scent. So the your senses and your scent. He writes about it, so there's a codification. St. Paul, authority of the one of the Lord's apostles, telling you about this, that we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. We had a good discussion the other night. Uh, was it Andrew brought it up. What do you think when you drive by a dead skunk in the road? <laughs> We're struggling for topics at the big house. You might want to send a few in. <clears throat> Dead skunk, middle of the road, drive by it. And there was a wide array. It wasn't just, oh, my heavens, what could be worse? I mean, eh, it's a little gamey, little, eh, I don't mind it. Um, Rachel had been, you know, hit by a skunk in her youth. So had Andrew. And their opinions weren't the same. Rachel has no patience with any skunk smell at any point, at anywhere in her life. Andrew says, well, it's not as bad as it was. You know what scent will do. I was walking down B Street one day, years and years ago, heading back to the house. It was foggy. And a smell came down the street that suddenly I was in Annapolis, Maryland. You've, you've had that, that as a mnemonic trigger that you're the scent of things. Well, I draw your mind to that because Paul's trying to draw your mind to that and saying, you know, that's what we all are. Our walking in the Lord is carrying the triumph of God of how you smell to the world. Death to death or life to life. 
different stores, where the person's heart is, whether they view someone like you wafting down the street as the smell of life. It's kind of hard to codify that into a bit of acting. You know people who have tried to convey emotions in acting who can't convey emotions in acting. Who is sufficient for these things? The next line. Because this is a problem. We get to a certain point where Paul is describing something like, like a love poem isn't love be a good one, but you know that it's describing something that the person he is describing in love, that love is the thing that is, not the words on the page, not the quality of the literature. It's not the quality of the writing of St. Paul. Paul is pointing to, Paul is pointing to something the screenwriters for this church can't give you a line to say something that will make you smell better. You might visit the church, find out what the kind of the, the tone of voice, what the dress is like, what uh, when young people, I mean younger little people come to the church, I always greet them at the door and say, what's shaking? Because I'm old. And they don't know what I'm talking about because they're not cool. So I tell them, you always respond, a whole lot of shaking's going on. Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, a prophet, one of our own. We know certain things to say. Some churches, I mean, it's so pronounced, you stop the service in the middle, you turn around, you shake the other person's hand, and you, what is it called, pass the peace or something like that? nothing wrong. Jesus doesn't go, don't do that. But, you know, people are trying to figure out ways to smell better to one another by rote or by line on line. What I'm suggesting to you this morning, when it says, who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word but as men of sincerity, and that's the phrase, always coming back to the Kyle instruction, tell the people what you want them to think about for the rest of the week. Men of sincerity. A certain latitude, you could be women of sincerity too. The road to liberalism. Men of sincerity. We can say we're sincere. I could not wear a tie in the hope that you have kind of triggers about what you think I'm saying because I don't have a tie and there's a certain casual quality to that. And uh, what else? There's probably a class. If I had gone to seminary, 
probably a class in sincerity, 100. And if you go into, you know, preaching, you probably have to take a 400-level sincerity course at seminary. But, you know, there's a suspicion that when the acting starts, when people don't have the sincerity, don't have the aroma, they have got to codify and stand on the codification. Now, I'm a biblicist, okay? I believe the scripture. But I know a lot of people for whom this is the absolute necessity for their Christian sense. It's not what they are, it's what the book says. No. Paul's describing in the book what you smell like, what he smells like. Do you smell like that? Not we were talking about the inerrancy of Scripture and the doctrine of inerrancy the other day. And, and we, this, for this morning, I was thinking that this is something that we uh, we're looking at us, the canonicity of ourselves. We are either men of sincerity or we are not. Commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We either do or we don't. And look where he goes with this. He doesn't go in verse chapter 3, verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Because I took off my glasses um, because that's a rhetorical device that shows how deeply invested I am in what I'm saying. Actually, you just turned all the beige little dots, you know, right there. But mostly because I can't see the, the text with them on, you know, because, oh, it's the right length. But I know it's effective. And even if I tell you I'm doing it, I know it's effective. Even more so because, my God, he's so transparent, so willing to express what he's actually doing, manipulating us. I trust him. Now, Even Paul struggles with that. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You want to get the paperwork moving? I just want to tell you, St. Paul was an Anabaptist. Just saying. Letters of recommendation. And it's not that letters of recommendation are bad. If I got a letter from some church somewhere that said, welcome so-and-so, he's moved to your town and he's selected your church to attend, please welcome him into your church family. Well, that's reassuring that some other church would say that about you. But the sincerity has got to be there because that's what the actual thing is. The religion is in you. And if it's not in you, all of this, all that you're doing, no matter how accurate your theology, no matter how devout your words, pointless. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. And now he's going to get down to the 
well, can't I just tell you? Can I just write up my, you know, my testimony? Can I get my Christian resume fleshed out and say the right things? Written on your hearts to be known and read by all men. Remember, you're walking into town fragrant. And if you are in Christ, you are going to be death to death to some and life to life to others. And you're going to be read by all men and it's going to recommend the person who taught you. It's going to recommend the person who um, established you in the faith. Are you in the spirit of God? Are you a sincere, Christ-scented individual? The description is not something you could tell people you were, but that's not the same as being. Just because someone tells you that they are a Christian doesn't mean they're lying. I'm just saying it has really very little to do with it. Known and read by all men, and you show that you are, and this was really interesting to me, because he, he pushes this analogy uh, pretty heavily. A letter from Christ delivered by us, written not in ink, but with the spirit of the living God. So, remember, there's a letter from Christ. We're the postman. The ink on the page is the spirit of the living God. And the surface it's written on is not the tablets of stone, like the law of Moses, but on tablets of human heart. So, the Holy Spirit's the ink being written on your heart as a letter from Christ. And the letter from Christ is, is not someplace else. It's delivered to you to be written on you. You are the one experiencing the, you're the stationary. The Holy Spirit's the ink. The writer is Jesus Christ. To such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Do you think in those terms? Or that's the confidence you have? Because of this happening sincerely in you, actually in you. Um, you know, we've pushed that for years here. And that's one of maybe one of the most dangerous places to be in a church that pushes sincerity personal experience because people are looking, no matter where you go, people are going to look for duplicating the thing they think is important to these people. The apparent real experience of Jesus Christ. Have you passed from death to life? Are you life to life or are you just death to death and mimicking Christianity? It's an old quotation I've included here on the left. Sincerity, once you have that faked, you have it made. But we almost live in a world where that's, that's, the, that's the best. Because we, we, we can only hope for really good actors. They're really convincing. I really thought they were, in our case, godly. So what are you, how are you measuring this? Well, some of the cases we're looking at, you know, what are you going to do with the information? Um, you're going to go through your life. Most of you are much younger than I am. 
And you know, who knows where you'll end up. You'll be fellowshipping with the saints someplace. And the big question is, I don't want to get stuck in something weird. You know, some kind of, I believed them. They turned out to be a cult, a sect, weird. How do I avoid that? How can I be confident that I'm doing this as I ought? Some of my father would always enter theological discussions. Um, he played cleanup. He'd come in after the debate had gone down for too long. Um, he usually would enter and say, is any of this edifying or is this just gossip? And we said, no, Father, it's edifying. And whatever the question would be laid before him. And, and he would generally get around to the statement of, how does this make you more like the Lord Jesus? I had all sorts of reasons, which he did not accept. But that's what you're going to be looking at in yourself, because you're the letter. Whoever wrote it, everybody's spelling it. You're just trying to figure out if you're death to death or you're life to life, life had better be there. More like the Lord Jesus. More like the Lord Jesus, where you become that fragrance. And the warning here is that you not let yourself get suckered into the codified life. Codification is necessary for records, and passing on information, but it's not the life. The aroma of your life is the life. You have been changed, or you hold a doctrine that change is possible. You use the phrase born again, and so you believe in conversion of the soul. We actually have to be born again, and our soul has to be converted. Because... Verse 6, start with 5. Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God, who made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not in a written code, but in the Spirit, for the written code kills, but the Spirit gives life. So the warning at the beginning is this fragrance of the faith in Jesus Christ is going to be death to death. The written code is part of the death. The spirit gives life. It's part of the life. If you want to participate in the kingdom of heaven in such a way that you are bringing the fragrance of Jesus Christ to the world, you've got to be part of that. That's got to be in you. You have got to have received that letter from the apostles where they wrote it on you in the ink of the Holy Spirit, the meaning of Christ. It says in Romans 10, I think that uh, if you do not have the Spirit, you do not have, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not have Christ. It's uh, one of those, Ew. if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, we'd like to build a religion that's really, you know, broad dominant, functional, beat the Muslims and body count. 
Each of us should be concerned that we don't try to have this competence from ourselves. But even the apostle doesn't claim it from himself. We're not commending ourselves as being the one authentic artisanal church. Right? Couldn't we? Really? I mean, some of you are pretty hip. And we have a steeple and nothing, just, just like bare, you know, bare church walls, you know. We could just add that to the name, All Souls Artisanal Christian Church. Mm, that's got some power there. You start Facebook advertising. Only let the cool people come. Some of you might be asked to leave. Okay, because just say it. We could be about that. Now, I, it sounds ludicrous, you know, but I've been seeing some commercials recently from churches in this area selling that aspect about themselves. It wasn't us. But I think it was in Pullman. Now, if the dispensation of death, he's not going to let us up on this, okay? Remember, death to death, life to life. If the dispensation of death because we have to ask ourselves, well, why is everybody so into the code, whatever the code is of their particular religious expression? Because everyone has a different one, different creed, different confession, different whatever, theology. Why is everybody doing it that way? Why is everybody faking the Christian life? Or even dear Christians who we are going to have it with forever are choosing to live under a codified written code rather than the Spirit. They're choosing that. If the dispensation of death, verse 7, carved in letters of stone, came with such splendor that the Israelites could not look at Moses' face because of its brightness, fading as it was. Well, of course... <laughs> I've mentioned my experience with the Vatican a couple years ago. I couldn't have had a better moment. We're standing in St. Peter's Square. The clouds are tumultuous above the dome. Light is dropping, the sun behind it. I took a picture. There's the colonnade. There's the basilica. There's this big cloud, gray and bright on one side, the sun streaking through it. Michelangelo, my daughter's namesake. Brilliant. I, I, I couldn't, I mean, it was, it was a religious experience for an Anabaptist to be standing in St. Peter's Square looking at the temple of the Antichrist and being impressed. No, I don't think it's the Antichrist. I just don't think it's Christian, but I do. But here I, so, so I took that in, meditate on it, took a photo, have it someplace on my computer. And uh, the next few days we were at this hotel just outside uh, the Vatican, 
stone's throw. Literally, you could chuck a rock into the Vatican. Um, it was Agrippina's villa. A little icky. A sitting um, in the courtyard smoking cigars all afternoon, thinking about this. And I said, that experience, that has got to be the one true church. My heavens. It was great. I mean, you can't, you will never build a church greater than that that Michelangelo built. You will never do it. I don't care how much money Elon Musk donates to your church. You will never do it. You don't have the chops. You don't have Michelangelo's capabilities. And it's been there since early centuries of Christianity, not the church, but this brand of the church. And there are millions of followers. Beautiful other things of art created by people faithful to that church. And my heavens. Single voice, not a, you know, the, 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 the caterwauling of the Protestants and their varieties of religious experience. This has got to be the one true church if it only didn't lack two things, righteousness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Do we care? I mean, we are impressed with splendor. I can't walk into an Anglican cathedral and not go, oh my gosh, I'm having a spiritual experience. I'm not. Jesus is nowhere near this place. It gave itself up to ungodliness and disobedience and disbelief years ago. But the, the buttresses, splendor does it to you. The law does it to you. It was written by God. Of course it does it to you. Will not the dispensation of the Spirit be attended with greater splendor? And that's what I want you to ask yourself this morning, because you are the splendor. You are what God is writing on. He is dictating life to life in you, and you are either being life to life and smelling like life to life and death to death to other people because the dispensation of the Spirit is more glorious. For if there was splendor in the dispensation of condemnation, the dispensation of righteousness must far exceed it in splendor. Must. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. They had a lot going for them. They were the one people on earth that had the Lord speaking in their ear, writing their law, sending prophets to them. And we are called... Not, you know, I say, well, casual church services with informal presentation. It just, as long as you smell like life, as long as the life you smell like was written by the hand of Jesus Christ on your heart by, in the ink of the Holy Spirit, however you want to use that metaphor. Indeed. In this case, what once had splendor has come to have no splendor at all. 
because of the splendor that surpasses it. Well, who would want that? Who would want that? We've all been in beginner situations that had uniform codes that you said, okay, yeah, but it doesn't match being a Marine. You know, when you get to do the real thing, get to play really soldier. You played soldier in the backyard. You felt pretty cool about the thing your mother sewed up for you and the gun you made out of the stick you found. But when you finally grew up and joined the Marine Corps, you, it's, yeah, same trajectory, greater splendor. It gets to the point where you go, I can only laugh at myself as a kid. No splendor at all. Are we suckers for the act? Are we suckers for the codification? Are we suckers for the lines given us that we might recite them back? Because we have never seen the righteousness of Jesus Christ written on the hearts of the saints. You are the recommendation of a ministry. Are you a recommendation of the ministry? If what faded away came with splendor, what is permanent must have much more splendor. John uh, Slagwim and I both have triumphs because, you know, what else is there to buy? And I can imagine finding in a store someplace, some trendy store, a schematic of the Triumph Bonneville drafted by an expert technical artist that has all the blowout parts of the engine and all the lines. If you've ever seen a Triumph there, the lines are everything. Oh, and I'd want to hang that up. It's got something going on. The schematic has got a lot going on. It just isn't a motorcycle. Okay? This is how the pastor works his riding of a motorcycle into a sermon. Take that away. Say to yourself, I was at a church Sunday. The pastor rides a motorcycle. Every pastor, I think, now in the country rides a motorcycle, I think. It's required getting out of seminary. But there is a difference between the schematic, which is wonderful, and the motorcycle, the splendor of the machine. You're supposed to be the splendor of the work of God and the gospel in you. You're the motorcycle. You're the letter of Jesus Christ. You're the righteousness of God. You're life to life, you're death to death. This is the only religion that is. Everything else is a pretend. Somebody's pretend somebody's attempt to join up with something. Other religions, even true religions that worship other true actual gods, they don't have conversions. You have conversion. Passing from death to life. Let's thank God. Dear Lord God, we are grateful. 
change us. Lord, we want to be able to say, codify, write down the message because we, can, we can't communicate it any other way, Lord. But Lord, help us communicate by the quality of our life the aroma of life of greater splendor than the aroma of death in the law. Lord, we're very grateful. In your son's name we pray. Amen.